across it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United. I'm Jay Sam Jones, Dre South Soccer. Joe Patrick, Dre South Soccer, is over there. Say hey, Joe. Sam? Joe. What just happened? Sadness. Sadness in a 90-minute period. Just all bottled up. All bottled up. It's been a fun week for me, man. Let me tell you. Well, let's hear Let it. Let me tell you as far as... Uh, as some of you may know, I support Liverpool. Also, I'm also a fan of the Atlanta United Five Stripes, whatever you want to call them at this point. <laughs> the Atlanta, let's <laughs> come on, you Five Stripes. Uh, up the Five Stripes, up the Five Stripes. Um, tonight did not help me get over anything that happened on Saturday with Liverpool in in any kind of way. Mm. It might have just made it worse. I'm spiraling. I'm spiraling. Uh, death is creeping closer, and the darkness is surrounding me. Um, how do you feel? Um, how do I feel? I actually don't feel that bad. I was right. rooting for Real Madrid though, so you know. Oh. That helps. That helps. Cool. That helps me. <laughs> Neat. But no, anyway. I mean, it's, it's not. It's not the end of the world. We'll get into it. But I don't feel like that. That upset. It's just one of those things that happens. In uh, yeah, no, I, I crazy think we've had more frustrating games. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I was much more worried after after something like a Houston than what we saw tonight. Um. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to kind of chalk things up to, to bad luck, essentially. And, and we'll get into that as we, as we go on further. But we'll go ahead and recap what we can from what was a pretty awful game of soccer for, Dude, for the, the most part. The was first half was terrible. miserable. I would have rather have had someone like lightly stabbing me in the calves instead of watching the first half. It was just as boring as it could be. There was really only one chance, and we scored off of it, fortunately. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it, it came from nothing. It came from it was absolutely such nothing. a bad goal. It was such a bad goal. And I don't mean to disparage the good folks in MLS, but it was a very MLS goal. Uh, yes, is what we'll sure. say about it for sure. Yeah, uh, Andrew Farrell, um, he's the right back, I think, for for New England. He the ball was literally coming right at him, and instead of making a play on the ball, he tried to like box someone out or something, or he tried to like mark a runner, and then he just left it wide open for. Uh, for Joseph to get on the end of, I mean, it was like a, the, it, it was a cross, I guess, technically from Gressel, but like you the ball was like that. trickling into the box. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly the word I used for it in the recap too. Oh, really? we'll go okay. into, yeah, yeah, I used trickling, trickling. It meandered through the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nagby takes the ball in the middle of the park, turns it around, flicks it out wide to Julian Gressel on the wing. Gressel rolls one in, and I do mean rolls one into the box. Three New England players standing around looking at each other saying, I got it, I got it, no, you got it, no, you got it. It rolls right to Joseph. Joseph has an easy finish from about 12 yards out. Uh, it's about as simple as a finish as it could get for the now uh, leader in the Golden Boot race with nine goals on the year, the standalone leader there. But I, I likened it to if you've ever watched a Little League baseball game, you know the joy of watching Little Leaguers stare at a pop-up mm-hmm, as right. it just – falls right in front of like four of them because yeah. no one said I got it or anything like that. Yeah. That was very, very similar to what well, we saw there. Well, normally you would say like a cross of aids, you know, the players in the box for, for the teammate to get on the end of this one. It was <laughs> the new England players were, were like getting out of the way of the ball. <laughs> so that Joseph could get on the end of it. And at that point with that kind of incompetence, you'd think, okay, Atlanta's going to be 
just fine. Just fine. Uh, no real chances after that in the first half. Uh, but then in the second half, things come out. We come out firing for the most part. Things looked sharper uh, to an extent. Maybe not, you know, the machine wasn't fully rocked and rocking and rolling. I guess to, to yeah. so to so speak, but uh, yeah, it was it was much better. I thought. It was I better. Mean, I think uh, Nagby was playing a little higher. The team just played a little more aggressive. I think um, you could really hear it in uh, Aaron Hyde, the <laughs> the goalkeeping coach for Atlanta United, who I fucking love when he goes on on a halftime rant um, to the sideline reporter, uh, like he did in this game. He was just <laughs> he was really laying into the team, you know, like kind of criticizing their character and their bravery on the ball, you know, he was Gosh, basically yeah. like, he was like, you know, it's it not tactical. It was just, you know, we need to, we need to, you know, show our balls here and, and, and actually play some, play some stuff instead of just sitting back. So, Which is uh, so I love that. And I think it, I think that was the message in the, at halftime because they came out a little more aggressive. Man, it, it's a somewhat refreshing take from, from our coaching staff. And we make it in that in a second, but uh, uh, some deflection going on on Tata's and we can talk more about the mm-hmm. motivations behind mm-hmm. that. I think you said you were going to write something about it mm-hmm. um, from, uh, from your perspective uh, going forward. So look out for that on Dirty South Soccer uh, sometime this week. Uh, but moving on, we, we keep piling on chances, uh, chance after chance, a lot of chances on the break. There was one chance where, uh, we quite literally had a two on zero there um, yeah. with Miguel and Joseph in the box after Ezekiel Ezekiel played them in. Uh, all they have to beat is the keeper. Uh, Miguel makes the wrong choice, goes out wide, uh, shots blocked. Uh, a couple shots that went directly at the keeper. Uh, there was a chance very, very late in the game where Kevin Kratz was about three feet away and, and put it right at yeah. the keeper. Yeah. Um, all, all you can kind of look at and is go, okay, we, we – there was maybe one really good save, a, a really decent save. Yeah, the when, one on Barco. Uh, Barco mm-hmm. got in and uh, dived to his right, popped it up in the air, and it went off the crossbar and almost dropped in off the crossbar, but yeah. still couldn't quite get over the line. Um, and at that point, the frustration was building and building, and, and you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming if we didn't put it away. You knew something mm-hmm. dumb was going to happen. I tweeted out from the DSS account, well, it should be 5 nothing." Going to be fun to see how New England ends up <laughs> scoring here. And I mean, quite literally the second I, I hit send on that penalty, New England, uh, Kevin Kratz, newly inserted Kevin Kratz, who had not even been in for four minutes, uh, takes out a player in the box. Yeah, well, I, I kind of I felt bad. I kind of jokingly before the game tweeted out something said there's only one way this ends, and it was with a it was a video of a Teal Bunbury penalty, and then oh, him God, dancing Joe. while the while the while the while the, <laughs> while the Joe, uh, Spanish Joe, language Joe. announcer uh, sang his name, and uh, yeah, that's actually exactly what. Happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Teal Bunbury, um, friend of the show. Normally, when with, I tweet uh, these yeah. things, normally when I tweet something, it goes the opposite way. So I thought I was playing the reverse jinx, but. Um, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's when when you do what Atlanta and I did, you just always leave yourself exposed to that kind of thing. So, and yeah, if you've watched enough soccer, you kind of half expect it. So, yeah, absolutely, it sucks. Um, it some sucks. talk after the game from Tata. They asked him what went wrong, and he didn't explicitly say uh, that the loss had everything to do with the refereeing, but he didn't not say it either. Uh, he he very much uh, I. I I don't have any other word for it, but deflected. He deflected uh, what was a, a somewhat disappointing performance, I think, onto you know a call that was soft, 
sure, but I think you got to yeah. make it just because of how awkward Kratz was going in on that penalty. Yeah, I thought it was funny the way that Tata answered that, and I think it's a direct result of what he heard midweek. I think, you know, Tata went on that rant after the game against New York Red Bulls, and then midweek, you know, Doug Roberson from the AJC is asking him if he's heard about getting fined yet. And he's like, <laughs> uh, no, I don't expect to get fined. And then, of course, in this game, similar thing where he has the chance to, to make the same kind of complaints, and he does, but he does it without doing it. So exactly. clever exactly. by him. But, I think he realizes that he's going to get fined <laughs> for what he said last week at some point. This time I'm not quite sure it's merited. Um, like we said, the, the challenge from Kratz was very, very awkward. He just kind of stumbled into the back of the dude. I don't know who yeah. it was. New England has a bunch of generic creative players. I have no <laughs> idea who half of them are. Um, the fact that Teal Bunbury is a name that stands out for me is, is saying something. Um, but Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's one of those it, ones where, like, yeah, there's contact, so it's, it's going to be damn near impossible to overturn something like that. Um, and, yeah, it's just a soft penalty, but it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that, you know, it's never going to get called or it shouldn't get called. You know, it's just... It's a soft penalty, and most of the times it won't get called, but sometimes it will, you know? And you just have to be fine with that, you know? Now, compare that to a moment that happened, I, I want to say it's about the 70th minute or so. Uh, a, a pass to the to the back post. Uh, Mikey Ambrose coming in. Uh, someone gets into the back of him. Uh, nothing called. Um, but do you think... Yeah. Do you think it should have been? Do you think it was a penalty? I'll go I mean, ahead and ask off front. Uh, uh, so here's my thing. I, I, it could be a penalty. Like it, it's hard for me to tell in the replay whether like really how much contact there was and whether it really um, affected him. But in my opinion, this isn't going to be popular. But I like that not being called um, when it's that marginal. I don't like games where you just have a lots of ticky tacky fouls in the box and the game is kind of decided on these penalties. Um, you know, I just I just like those calls not being called, and I like you know I like the foul at the end of the game that was given a penalty. I don't like that penalty either, you know. But I can understand if either one of those were to be a penalty, and I'm totally cool with or really um, supportive of them not reviewing either of these on VAR because you know these we've been clamoring about giving the referees um, authority of the game, giving them ownership over what happens on the pitch, and you just have to. Let them roll with these punches, I think, if, if there's, you know, it's not like either of these were were clear and decisive one way or the other. So the way they go in the field is just what you have to go with. Right. I, and I, I completely agree. I, um, I I think I'd agree with both of them, actually. I think that, you know, the first one on our end was, was not a penalty. And I think the one with Kratz, you kind of have to give it. Uh, but especially happy with them not going to VAR on that and, and not taking a look at it. If we're going to push... The clear and obvious error narrative. If we're going to say over and over again that it has to be clear and obvious that the call was wrong to overturn it, um, if they're going to you know be better about that, and in this case they were, there was no clear and obvious error made on either of those calls. I don't think to to overturn them in any way. Uh, they're more power to them, and they're using the they're using the tool right. They're implementing it the correct way. Yeah, um, I agree. So as disappointing as it is, you know, we, we kind of have to live with it if we're going to preach it on our end, um, you know, from the calls from the last couple of weeks from SKC in uh, New York. But I mean, and, and this is a great example. I'm glad we can talk about this, um, the way that it has kind of panned out, because, um, you know, one of the things I've been saying as a someone who is not in favor of VAR is I am just kind of accepting of the fact that referees are going to make mistakes or maybe not even mistakes, but they might not call something um, for one team that where there's a very similar call on the other end that they do give, you know, they might there might be some inconsistency there. Um, 
But these are the kinds of things, in my opinion, that you just have to kind of bear with and just and just kind of fight through. And and I, in in this game in particular, Atlanta United should have won the game despite this inconsistency in the calls or the or the use of the VAR or not. You know, this is a classic example of a team. Um, just not capitalizing on their chances, and then it comes back to bite them. You know, you just open yourself up to that opportunity. So um, it's just one of those things where I think if you give the referees this kind of discretion to call the game as they as as they as they see it, um, the calls will even out over the course of a season. And we are not going to be looking back at this game thinking we got screwed by these calls um, in this game. You know, that's that's just not what anyone will think. Speaking of evening out things over the season, uh, a lot of worry about not being able to finish chances. Um, And you guys had a lot of questions about that and a lot of other questions about this stupid, stupid game we just watched. Um, I'm going to lump these two in together, um, these first two, if that's okay with you. Sure. Um, It comes from the first one comes from Carlos Rivera, who says, how do they recover the confidence to finish those clear chances? Uh, and then Jacob Inman asked, biggest reason we lost tonight was finishing. You all roasted Carlos, but he makes a valid point. Could have been up more against SKC and NYRB before those games lost control, and now it cost us a W at New England. Not precise enough recently. We now have one win in four. Um, guys. 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 First off, when we were roasting Carlos, uh, Carlos made We. Me. We. Okay, first <laughs> off, when I was roasting Carlos... <laughs> Um, Don't worry, I support you in in everything you do, Sam. Gosh, okay, I'm gonna get fired up here. Um, (laughs) The the question was initially, what what is Tata going to do to fix the finishing problems? Tata can't do crap. Okay, maybe Tata can say, hey, you know, go kick the ball out uh, around a little bit more during training and maybe maybe shoot some more. I don't know. Uh, he's he all he can do is put the players all there and let them play and you know set them up tactically to to get in positions to finish. Um, it's it like, didn't it didn't happen tonight. Yeah. Okay, great. It's, Sorry. It's, it's like a it's like a football receiver who drops a pass in a game and it's like oh if only you would have caught more passes in practice that week then he would have you know somehow caught that one or something you know it's just right it's one of those things that happen like you know you can't like prepare for it or, or change anything that you've you know. It's just it's just the way that the game plays out, and eventually we'll score those. You know, we'll score some that we don't deserve, and we did a lot last year. We um, we we overperformed our xG by quite a bit last year, actually mm-hmm. by to like a historical <laughs> mark. Um, and you know, we could get into the nitty gritty of that, but you know, all, all I'm saying is that you know, it's all fickle. These things even out. It, it's not even that it was like bad finishing. Really, it was just kind of just unlucky i mean it kind of was it was bad finishing but um i don't know i don't i don't really know how to explain it other than the my great catching metaphor no that that's spot on that's spot on to to somehow insinuate that you could do some little tiny thing in practice to to change this to change what happened tonight and, and what's happened to some extent over the last few games uh it's it's ridiculous there's nothing in it nothing in it and i know i'm being feisty here uh but to kind of <laughs> settle things down a little bit here's why that narrative is uh not correct in any way in any way and it all comes down to the the simple matter of small sample size you can look at the last couple games and go okay the, the finishing hasn't been there sure you're not wrong you're not wrong that in this little anecdotal mm-hmm. piece of evidence you have the finishing has not been good 
uh, to say that no these question. players that we have, the the talent that we have on this team, to say that any of those guys are necessarily bad finishers is silly on so many levels. Uh, the talent we have compared to the rest of the MLS up front, attacking-wise, is just ridiculous. And you can look at just the base stats. You don't even have to get into the analytics. You don't have to get into anything else. But you can just look at the goals. Look look where Joseph Martinez is. Look where Miguel Amaron is. You know? Look at the output they've actually you know, been able to put up on paper. You don't even have to get in to expect the goals to see that you know they're making things happen. To, to look at one game tonight, to look at maybe a couple games like that, is just completely ignorant of what they've done over their their time here in Atlanta in MLS, and completely ignorant uh, of what is going to happen uh, with uh, their output in the future because it's going to regress back. These things even out. You know, some people you know are going to deny the statistics. Some people are going to say XG's bullshit. Some people are going to say that this is all you know voodoo and witchcraft and everything like that. But guess what? It's right. It works. It's been proven. It's been proven over and over again that the people are going to, if they're creating chances, you know, it's eventually going to even out to where, you know, uh, even the most mediocre of players is going to eventually get some kind of output from it because they're creating those chances. Uh, Sorry, I I went off. No, no, you're right. I mean, Joseph Martinez leads the league in goals. Atlanta United is up at the top of the the table in goals. I think they lead the league now. I think they were tied coming into the game. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, goal scoring is... Uh, not really an issue with this team typically now it, like 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 you said it has been recently um but yeah yeah no I, and that's why i'm not worried it's like you know it's like a hitter goes through streaks you know it's just Absolutely. it's just one of those things that happens it's just it's kind of chance you know it looks bad in in the moment because it's like oh yeah that that shot went right at the keeper or you know whatever but um these things just eventually will even out and yeah i'm, I'm just i don't know i don't really have anything else to say about it other than I'm not really that worried. But it is yeah. true that we have missed chances, but it'll turn around. Exactly. 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 Um, it's just... I'm upset. more it's I'm more concerned things. about like what happened in, in that New York Red Bulls game where we mentally capitulated in the second half. Sure. That's, that's more what worries me about this team. It's not the physical. It's the mental um, like stick-to-itiveness uh, that they have when things start to not go their way. But in this game, I thought I thought they played well. I thought they did well. Um, things were not really going their way. In fact, they played poorly in the first half, and they turned around the second half. You know, normally what we've seen from this team on the road is they have a great first half and then just kind of bunker in and close down the result in the second half. It's kind of the opposite today. Um, and you know, the, the 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 like we talked about, the finishing was not going their way, but you know, they kept creating chances, so that's good. You know, they they they. They played all the way through, and they even had a chance after the penalty. Um, you know, they created an, one more great chance from uh, Kevin Kratz. He just couldn't put it in. So that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. <laughs> God, I'm so excited that we get to use that now. <laughs> oh, man, wait till our quarter of the night, folks. Um, but, no, that, that's, a, that's a great point, and I, I think it boils down to this. It was not a bad game tonight. It was a frustrating game. It wasn't mm-hmm. bad. We didn't mm-hmm. play poorly, I don't think. We just played in a way that, you know, didn't end up with the end result, which is frustrating. I thought, I thought we played poorly in the first half, but on the, on the whole, we, we I thought we were the better team. I don't, I don't think there's no, there would be much debate about that either. Right, right. And everyone kind of talked about leading up to this and somewhat during the game, too, about the, the voodoo that happens when you go into Gillette Stadium and you have, like, a high school-sized crowd there um, and, you know, the rest of the stadium is completely empty. And it's quiet, and there's just not a whole lot going on. It feels like a training. There was one point in the game 
where I just stopped doing whatever I was doing and I just listened to the players talk to each other. <laughs> and shout out like whatever the, whatever command they want to do, whatever thing to fix it. I just listened. Yeah. Just sat there and hung out for a minute. What were they amazing. talking about? Just yeah, cute about girls? stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I almost never <laughs> married. I don't know. Uh, but no, you you could hear things clearly, and that's just weird. That's weird. It, it makes yeah, you play I'd... like it's a training ground kind of thing. So you can't fault them too much for coming out a little flat. I did recall um, there was one time where I, I recalled uh, Brad Guzan was like gave Chris McCann some some grief for like not standing in the right position <laughs> on a goal kick. He was like, "Hey, come on," <laughs> which is like. God, imagine how many times that's happened to Chris McCann. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just blocks it out. I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on to our next question. Uh, a regular here, Kirk Chirp Street, asks, while Garza is at dead, is it at dead or hashtag dead? I'm not sure. Um, at dead, will we sign a left back or left wing back? Mikey Ambrose is fine, but I'd like more dynamicism. Um, Joe Patrick. I think it's a pretty easy answer here, which is a big no. Right. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> it's just kind of down to like MLS con- uh, uh, roster building rules in that you just don't have that kind of money to spend when you have a situation like this. You really just have to rely on your reserves and your depth because um, you basically don't have really the room. I mean, I know we have TAM uh, to spend, but we probably already have a plan for that. So it's not like, you know, we can just go in and get someone. So, and it, maybe we could get someone from the M, from MLS, you know, inside MLS, but they're not going to be considerably better than Mikey Ambrose, especially if you have to integrate them into a whole, you know, new team and everything. So, no, no, no real reason for that. And I think we have plenty of depth there. Actually, it's like one of our one of the places we have where we have the most depth. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. No, remember we were talking about uh, Jeff Lerowitz being the most important player to this team. Like, if he went down, you know, we'd have no real backup. So mm-hmm. we looked at left back and went, well, oh, someone went down there. We'd be, is there really that big of a drop off? And, yeah. you know, it, we're, we're going to put that at the test here, of course, with Gars out for, uh, you know, the foreseeable future, maybe even the season if things uh, progress poorly for him. Uh, but Mikey was fine. Mikey yeah. was fine. Mikey's was always gonna, just fine. I was going to say, now that I think about it, I couldn't have even told you that it was like Mikey Ambrose out there instead of Greg Garza. Like right. honestly, maybe Greg Garza would have given you a little bit something more, but on the whole, I don't think there's that much of a difference. I mean, fullback in general is not like a super super important position, so you just right. need some warm bodies that have a lot of stamina and can whip in across. So we're gonna get some angry tweets from some people who play fullback <laughs> for like Saint Pius or something oh, no. like that, some shit from high school players, but. Anyways, hit us up, guys, at Five Stripe Final on Twitter. Um, our next thing. If you played fullback, your coach thought you were shit. <laughs> Come at us, all you fullbacks from uh, people who didn't play. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> at Jacob Carden says, New England is the Stoke City of MLS. That's harsh, Jacob. So harsh. That's the reason I, I added I wanted us to make sure we, we mentioned this on the show. It's so harsh. New England is in a playoff position. They're playing so well this year. I mean, yeah, That's they the were. They, they have bought into Friedel's system. They've been good. Totally. I mean, and he's doing exactly what Mauricio Pochettino did at Spurs. I mean, he's kind of taking that and applying it directly to that team, and it's working. One one of the trademarks that that of of a Mauricio Pochettino press, which you don't see totally with us, 
is that they will almost always um, press the goalkeeper. That's kind of like their thing, is to press all the way to the goalkeeper and force the goalkeeper to play long and then try to win the ball in midfield. Um, and that's something that New England did very well. They, they didn't do it so much towards the end of this game because I think they were just so dead on their feet. Um, they had tired legs because they played this past weekend in Vancouver, so they had a long trip. Um, that was and, a banger, too. It was a 3-3, just yeah. whirlwind of a game. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's no... And, and another thing is there's just no... We shouldn't feel shame for getting a point in New England. Like, yeah, we sh- we probably should have had the three points. We, sh- we we probably should have finished one of those great chances that we had um, and won the game. But there's no... Before the game, I would take a point, to be honest. I would mo- yeah. I would usually take a point in any road game in MLS. It's so hard to travel. It's not really comparable to playing road games like in England or any of your other leagues that you watch because they're not going through the travel. It's so funny. Um I remember one time I was chatting in the uh, in the the Tottenham um, uh, SB Nation chat. We were talking about there was like a the team had like a trip to Russia or something. You know, like in England, you think of these like trips to Eastern Europe or these like long, grueling slogs. It was like a three and a half hour flight. So like, <laughs> so they don't travel really, and that's like right. a, like a pretty standard trip like for for an MLS team. So um, you kind of just kind of had to take that into account and. Uh, yeah, just points are good in MLS, road points. Yeah, and I don't mean to, to get too uh, uppity here or put us on a high horse too much, but the narrative around away games has somewhat seemed to change, I think, since we've kind of joined the league. And it's mm-hmm. not because of us. It's because you're starting to see more of a disparity, I think, between the, the top teams and the lesser teams, you know. Um, and it's uh, – I'm, I'm kind of kind – of, saying too much there but um, no, no, i think i think you're right and and we've and we've played so well on the road this year i think with that us our fans right we become we come to expect it yeah yeah i mean we've won four in a row we haven't lost on the road this year except for the first game of the season in houston which is kind of crazy to think about um so yeah so i can understand where that kind of optimism comes from and why 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 you'd have disappointment over over not getting that result especially when like we had the chances to do it but you know on the whole, like I said, at the end of the season, we will not be looking back at this game and thinking we should have had the points. We will. We might look back at the Sporting Kansas City game or the New York Rebels game or any of those home games where you're dropping points. Um, you will never look at a at a road point in MLS and say that's where we lost it or something like that. Yeah, I don't feel robbed like I did after SKC or, or New York. You know, this this is less brutal to me in a lot of ways. It still sucks, but I mean, I'm not nearly as upset as I was about you know just going flat on our faces against New York or, you know, having the game really affected by a red card against Sporting Kansas City. It's, it's, it's a whole different deal. Uh, and uh, everything's going to be fine, guys. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. Everyone calm down. Um, rest of the questions we've kind of already talked about. So we'd move on to our final thoughts here Hold on, tonight. hold on, hold oh, on. Oh, you got one? Okay. Yeah. Well, I just think Zach Attack makes a good point. He does make a good point. That's true. It sounds nitpicky, but seriously, there there's a difference between revolution and rebellion. Did you know, notice this? The uh, the the New England Revolution supporters group is called like the Rebellion or something. I did notice the group named the Midnight Riders, which is like a fun Paul oh, Revere reference. <laughs> uh, this cute little history guys over there making their their Paul Revere references. It's nice. Anyways, I just thought that was that was a that was a good point by Zach Attack. <laughs> no, no, great point, Zach. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, gotta love Zach Attack. What's what's an FSF show without Zach Attack? Really, I, I apologize for even get, gotta get him about in. skipping over him. Um, 
And that's pretty much it. Yeah, we, I feel like we've covered the rest of them there. Um, Did we talk about? Yeah, we talked about about Tata. Shouldn't shouldn't be blaming the refs. It just gives everyone else a, an opportunity to come on Tata. to blame the refs. Now, set the example. Now I think your slant on this article is interesting. And it, it did you bring up a? Did you call it a Mourinho tactic? Was that you? Me? No. No. Okay. I think someone in the Slack was calling it a Mourinho tactic or something like that. To, oh, to just oh, oh! You know what? I did. I did mention that. <laughs> well, I thought. Okay, so when I when we were listening to all this going down, um, or actually, it was after I gotten him back up to the press box after Tata made his rant against Geiger. I thought for just a split second, I thought, "Holy shit! Is this some Mourinho esque, uh, you know, distraction uh, tactic to to take the pressure?" off the team, off of Greg Garza, uh, for getting the red card, you know, uh, you know, off of, you know, any player who may have made a mistake. And then I quickly realized that Tata is not that shrewd. Right. <laughs> and that, that's not the case at all. Much too genuine. Much too genuine. I honestly, Tata, he just yeah. rages. <laughs> <laughs> he's a straight, he's a pretty straight shooter is Tata. Mm-hmm. What he does though, is he'll smile at you with it. And that's even scarier. I think <laughs> yeah. that's even scarier. There's, the rage is solely behind the eyes. That's frightening. That's frightening. Also frightening, some of these people who you may not have noticed on the pitch tonight. If we don't have any final thoughts, can we go ahead and move on? Is that right? Yep. yep. Okay, cool. Uh, you may not have noticed some of these guys on the field tonight, but they were pretty darn good. And we'd like to point them out to you. Uh, these are your Lorenowitz men of the night. Joe Patrick, you want to go first on this one? Well, mine was pretty noticeable because he did score a goal, but I just wanted to call out uh, Joseph Martinez for a great game that he played. I thought he was uh, fantastic, I, especially in uh, his creation, his 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 ability to drop into midfield and spray some passes wide for runners. Um, just thought he played really well. I, honestly, I thought it was one of the best games he's played this year for sure, and even going back to last year, I, th- I thought it was just great. Um, you know, not not as much getting into the box and scoring goals, but um, just in the way he got himself involved in the game when it easily could have gone the other way for him. And I think we've seen that from him several times this year where um, things don't go his way and he gets disinterested or or he just runs his, runs himself out of the game. Um, he was able to kind of stick with uh, stick with the team a bit in, into the right. tactical setup and get, and get himself involved. And I, and I just, just thought he was really good. I thought he was good too. I thought he was good too. And... and- you know, he, it's obviously been some frustrating points this year for Joseph. One of the things I've kind of been thinking about, too, and I don't know how much you would agree with this, is just that uh, in the formation we've been playing, a 3-5-2, it doesn't quite set up uh, to benefit Joseph quite in the same way as the 4-2-3-1 does. Uh, he hasn't quite been getting the same kind of chances, I don't think, and he, he's stuck chasing a lot more, and I think that's when he gets really frustrated is when he has to just be chasing long balls a lot of the time and, and he mm-hmm. was a few times tonight but uh when mm-hmm. he got his chance he finished it and, and when he's you know, that's good to see and when he's chasing those balls he doesn't have like he might chase some balls in a in a four two three one or something but when he does that he usually has players closer behind him his, his own teammates that are that are basically there ready to press um that he's basically starting by chasing after this ball like if a goalkeeper is able to collect as to where in the three five two it's usually him just making a run solo and if he doesn't get to it He's just made a 40, 50 yard sprint, and there's just, and it's the other team's possession right back going the other way. And mm-hmm. I think that's got to get frustrating for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. But he, he did very, very well tonight. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got distracted here. I'm looking at the, the recap and the still shot 
is a is a picture of, of Teal Bunbury taking the penalty, and right behind the goal is that Midnight Rider thing. Um, <laughs> and I've deduced that the Midnight Riders are a a gang of Vespa scooter riders that have dressed up from head to toe in black like goth kids and ride around the streets of Boston, Foxborough, Massachusetts, uh, while occasionally going to soccer games. Um, so there you go. That's that's the Midnight Riders. That's canon. That's official. And that's 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 all I wanted to say about them. They pull into like their uh, uh, investment banking employer together, you know, on their <laughs> on their Vespas. Yes. Yeah. Dressed in leather. God, so scary. The Midnight Riders. Don't miss them. <laughs> Especially not between the hours of twelve a.m. to to one a.m. That's when they're, they're most active. If you see one in public, do not approach <laughs> one. <laughs> Who was your Loren Woods man? I want to know. Joe, I think you know. <laughs> Joe. Sam. My Berwinowitz man of the night for tonight on this night was it was Jeff Winowitz. Uh, it was Jeff Winowitz. Oh, we got I knew, I knew it was Lernowitz, coming as soon as you got quiet. So good. So good. He was great tonight. He did really, really well. Uh, he I think good. he was actually named the man of the match by the Fox oh, really? Sports crew. Um, haven't seen his uh, his stat sheet yet, but I'm sure there were a whole bunch of blocks and clearances. There was a lot of grit. A lot, grit a lot all of grit. over that stat sheet. A lot sheet. of heart. Uh, low man wins, of course, and <laughs> Jeff <laughs> always seems to be the low man. Uh, gets mm-hmm. a lot of leverage. Uh, does a lot of good things there. Uh, I'm he hearing, also... I'm, I'm hearing from team officials that he was the last one to leave the stadium tonight. Oh, absolutely. He, just, he, he was he firing just, up extra shots. He was taking yeah, he yeah. was taking free throws. Yeah. You know, before, he, he was, before he was getting his lights. finishing practice in. He he wasn't if that if this happens again, he's gonna make sure he's the one that rectifies this situation. Mm-hmm. Ten win sprints for every for every chance missed. That's on him. That's on him as a captain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't take those shots, but darn it, if he didn't take those shots in like a metaphysical way. <laughs> Jeff Arnold's folks. <laughs> Jeff Lorno, it's also providing our quote of the night, and this will send us out here. Uh, on to the next one. Uh, we should have a preview show maybe possibly up. Quick turnaround for us there uh, for Philadelphia Union. I feel like we owe you guys that since we didn't mm-hmm. have one for this game. Sorry, yeah. our bad. Uh, but we, we should be back up and running with that. Um, I was supporting. I was celebrating our brave men and women. <laughs> I know you were. I know you were. You're good On Lake Sinclair? Right. You don't have to go into details. Okay. Uh, I've said enough. You have. Plenty. Plenty in so many ways. Uh, Jeff Lernowitz summed up this in so many ways, too. In so many eloquent, eloquent ways. Jeff Lernowitz tonight says, That's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. <laughs> and that's our show, folks. That's it. That's it for Five Stripe Final. Jeff Lernowitz, thank you for the quote of the night. Good God, that is a real thing you said, and we are going to maybe end the entire show with it uh, from here on out. I don't know, but again, record of the night. That's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Jeff Lornowitz, Jeff Ray, Adam Lornowitz. Thank you very much. All righty, shout out Ryan Catney, shout out Chris Romani, shout out Kevin Steven, shout out Ellie, Max, Melina, shout out to Craig Finn, shout out to Payson, shout out to Gabe, shout out to Ben Jones, shout out to Kirby Smart, shout out to Tyler Simmons, who was definitely onside, and shout out to LeVar Burton. I know you're listening. Shout out Jorge Fuller. Shout out Justin Belhui. Shout out Chris Raimondi. Shout out Spencer Hall. And shout out Aaron Hyde. Special shout out for Aaron Hyde. All right, folks. That'll do it. Five track final. Out of here. Bye, y'all. Bye. This is